This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery, and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. The 192 bus through blossoms and yours truly, Amos Murphy, are just some of the great things to come out of Stockport over the years. But none of them are greater than Philip Walter Foden. The young English starlet has shone ever since breaking onto the scene at Manchester City. And after a small blip in form, Foden looks to be back to his brilliant best. We'll be discussing his fantastic performance against Newcastle in some detail and asking just how important Phil Foden is to Manchester City going forward this season. It's Tuesday the 7th of March. I am Amos Murphy. I'm Adam Booker. And this is the City Report Podcast. Unbelievable! Manchester United 1, Manchester City 6, it's 2 for Dzeko. Tottenham Hotspur 3, Manchester City 4. Welcome back to the show, your show. Adam, how are things? Uh, Things are lovely. I um, played a very, very cold round of disc golf this morning and have had the sniffles since then. Uh, And as you and many of our other listeners may know, I'm getting on a plane over to your neck of the woods in less than 48 hours. So I'm hoping the sniffles are just a, a symptom of the cold weather. Yeah, God, don't be messing that up. We'll we'll actually chat about that a little bit in part two. Um, but more more pressing concerns for those UK listeners. Explain disc golf because it absolutely isn't a common activity on these shores. I'm not even quite sure if it's a common activity on your shores. It's a very niche sporting activity. It's far more common now, um, but it's... I mean, if you think of golf, you've got a hole and a par and a distance from the tee to the hole. Um, you've got, and it's frisbee. So when I say disc, I mean frisbees, which I think is you know the more common word. And you 
you know, you throw your frisbees and you aim to get it into a basket with chains. Kind of looks like the old school basketball hoops with chains instead of nets. Um, and it's a very um, outdoorsy thing. You play it in the woods. So obviously living out here in Oregon, I've got beautiful courses in these massive, you know, redwood forests, pine forests and stuff. Um, so it's it's my it's my leisure time activity. Okay, next one. You're going to have to uh, explain what basketball is because that <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. Um, right, okay, let, let, let's crack on then. Um, if you haven't already, go back and listen to yesterday's episode, which was a full Newcastle review. We sort of broke down what went on in the game, what was good, what wasn't so good. Had a little chat about Kevin De Bruyne as well after his mixed performance. One man, however, who we felt deserved a little bit more detail into the way he played against Newcastle was Phil Foden. Obviously, was on the score sheet against the Magpies on Saturday, which means he's now netted in three consecutive City matches for the first time ever in his career. It comes after goals against Bournemouth and Bristol City. Um, I think it's fair to say, Adam, when he's on the pitch, he absolutely makes stuff happen. And for all of the control City have craved under Guardiola, I'm, I'm, I'm hesitant to say this season because it feels more of a post-World Cup uh, sort of symptom when City have had this sort of... Um, the, the, the way City felt, we all know about it, we've all spoke about it, we don't need to go over it again. But for all the control City have, have gone after and craved with their with their setup and their system... Sometimes, as we saw on Saturday, it takes that little bit of directness Phil Foden has. And what a joy when he's in that form to be watching him. Yeah, I mean, I think along with Erling Holland, he's probably one of the few City players that you don't really know what he's going to do when uh, when he gets the ball. And, and, you know, obviously there's some phenomenal players in the team, Kevin De Bruyne, Jack Grealish, the list goes on and on. But in some ways, they are predictable. And and what makes them all great is that they're predictable and you still can't stop it. Like, you know Kevin De Bruyne is going to put in a cross to the back post. You still can't cut it out. You know that Ilkay Gundogan is going to make late runs into the box. You, you still can't mark him and, and track him and he, and he scores. But with, with Foden, he's the wild card. Every team has has to have a wild card. You go down to you know a third division German team at the bottom of the table. They'll have that one player that they look to for the flair, the directness, just to make something out of nowhere and create a little bit of of chaos. And and like you said, you know Guardiola might loathe it because it may mean a little bit less control. But we saw against Newcastle that it gives you these superb moments of of brilliance. And when he's on. He's on, and and he certainly was on against Newcastle. Yeah, some numbers then from his uh, game against Newcastle. 96% pass accuracy, seven touches in the opposition box, seven duels won, five take-ons completed, which was the most of any player on the pitch. Four times he won possession back for City, three shots, two shots on target, and obviously one goal. I felt like going back to it, I, I was a little bit shocked to see him involved, actually, when I thought about how this match was, was going to play out. Obviously, as we had on the preview show with Oliver Kirsch and uh, Jacques Talbot, who was who was obviously the Newcastle journalist, there was a lot of talk about how, how Newcastle's form has been poor. However, their main attribute and the main strength, especially with Nick Pope returning, was the defensive stability. I think something like 17 games, they've conceded two goals or something ridiculous like that. Obviously, 
the as, as the season went on, the the uh, floodgates have opened a little bit more. However, I expected sort of maybe akin to Leipzig, especially that first half where City would operate with uh, Riyad Mahrez on one side, Jack Grealish on the other. Haaland would be having one of those games where he got absolutely zero touches. It just wasn't the case, was it? And I'm not sure with that, especially given Foden played in the game in midweek against Bristol City. And then obviously at Bournemouth as well, when he came back into the team, I was a bit shocked to see him involved again, but I'm not sure is that admission from Guardiola, that Grealish, Haaland, Foden, when they're all fit against whatever opposition, that City's best front three, as quite a lot of people have been clamouring for, for a good number of weeks and months. Yeah, it may be an admission of that. Um, I think it doesn't help that Riyad Mahrez is kind of post-World Cup remontada has has slowed down a little bit. Um, and that co- that coincided with Foden coming back from this, what we now know was a foot injury. Obviously, there was loads of speculation of, you know, personal problems off the field or whatever it may be. Um, but he came in at a time in which Riyad Mahrez wasn't setting the world alight like he was for a month and a half or so after the World Cup. Um, and he looks back to his best. So, I, I don't know if it's an admission or if it just coincidentally he came in at the right time and, and got hot. But, you know, I think a, another thing that, that has really helped him is that City look like they have a bit more control and they have a bit more of understanding in this system. And therefore, when you've figured things out from sort of, you know, Rodri backwards, you can have a little bit more dynamism in the attack. If, if I'm Pep Guardiola in mid-January... And I'm seeing that we don't have the control, we don't have the defensive stability, and we don't have the attacking thrust. Obviously, what he did was try to compensate with having more control, more defenders on the pitch, and therefore the attack suffered. But now that you've got things figured out and a bit more short up at the back, Ruben Diaz's you know introduction is a big part of that. You can let the players go a little bit going forward, and I think that's why we're seeing you know more of uh, Erling Holland's involvement and and obviously Phil Foden's involvement. Yeah, you mentioned his name and we spoke a lot about him yesterday, but Ruben Diaz, I think, is a is a key figure in all of this. And, you know, fingers crossed, touch wood, he doesn't get injured for, for a number of reasons. But if Ruben Diaz got, gets injured, is that City season over? Absolutely not. There's still enough quality within the ranks. You know, John Stone's coming back, Akanji, Nathan Ake, Laporte. However, it, I, I feel like it, say, for example, and obviously I hope it doesn't happen now, but Ruben Diaz got an injury that took him out for the season tomorrow. I don't know if we'd see this sort of, maybe not so much swashbuckling because City have definitely played with more freedom and more excitement, but the sort of the more exciting style of play compared to what we sort of became accustomed to in that immediate post-World Cup break, because his his sort of, his ability to clean up mistakes at the back is a sort of a natural defender. And, you know, there's that famous quote, I think it was Maldini, if you have to make a last-ditch tackle, you've obviously made a mistake somewhere down the line. But considering how much possession City have had, traditionally and historically under Guardiola, it is almost, I don't want to use a Vincent Company comparison because they're very different, but, you know, that sort of defender who isn't there to play football, uh, instead is there to defend, very old school, really does help those attackers come out and, and sort of play their natural game and, and, and show more expression and more freedom. The opposite side to Foden, Grealish is another example of that as well. Well, it's interesting you mentioned Vincent Company because I was going to say that he may be this team's, Ruben Diaz, he may be this team's Fernandinho. 
you know, Ooh. Fernandinho was was the last line of defense that the ball the the defense or the opposition's counterattack didn't have to make it to Vincent Company and John Stones and Americ Laporte because Fernandinho was a one man wrecking crew. Whereas now mm-hmm. Ruben Diaz is that man and and every single player going forward, whether it's Kevin De Bruyne, Jack Grealish, Erling Holland, Phil Foden, they're all gonna benefit from it because when you do shore things up at the back, when you know, Rodri isn't chasing a million shadows because we've, you know, given the ball away in, in the attacking half and, and so on and so forth, then you can play with a bit more dynamism going forward and you can take mm-hmm. more risks. Can you think of a player in early January that would have even attempted that Phil Foden goal to take on a couple of men? I mean, if it was Mares, he would have turned away really quickly, passed backwards. Grealish would have mm-hmm. done the same. So, you know, I think Foden is getting really hot at a really good time because it's, like I said, it's coinciding with the fact that the defense has figured things out in this back three a little bit more. Um, and you've got players like Ruben Diaz playing well, so you can take those risks. And if City start to take more risks, Phil Foden has to be in the team because he is, he is your natural risk taker. And when he takes risks, things happen. Especially, as we mentioned yesterday, with this sort of drop-off in form with Kevin De Bruyne and, and we await to see just how much football he plays over the next coming weeks. Maybe it's just the, the smallest of smallest blips in one of City's, if not City's best ever uh, operator and footballer in the club's history. You assume Kevin De Bruyne will get back to some sort of level, which is, you know... Uh, helpful and uh, beneficial to City, but maybe this is the beginning of the end, at which case you have to say some like Phil Foden's importance increases tenfold because, like you say, he is that risk taker. He's going to try something that 10 other players on the football pitch aren't going to do. Um, and, and that's obviously great because, it, as you mentioned, it, came, it comes after a, a really, really tough spell for Foden. Prior to the Bournemouth game, he made three starts in the league post-World Cup. Most of his minutes came in cup matches and um, I think that's that Southampton game, which I'm, I'm pretty sure he played in. But that sort of that 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 crop of players we're looking at, going, what on earth has happened to these footballers? Phil Foden was amongst that. Going at the start of the season, we were speaking about Ballon d'Or levels in terms of where he can get to. Now we're worrying whether or not he has a future at City. But uh, he came out after the I, I want to say Bournemouth or Bristol City game and, and labelled the last sort of couple of months as some of the toughest parts of his career, and, and basically said that you know everyone has them, but it's still difficult when you're getting these recurring injuries. You, your importance in the team is diminished. You see your other teammates doing well and getting praise. You're sat on the bench, etc. Limited to a few substitute appearances, and and like I say, some were questioning his ability and future in the team. Murmurings of behind scenes and private life's private life issues being said we've said a million and one times now given how fast his ascent has been like let's be honest he's 22 years old still um he turns 23 in may i think pretty sure i think it is a natural drop-off it should be expected and i and i think you know in the moment, we're all guilty of going, yes, that was poor. Phil Foden was not performing to his best level, questioning his ability, etc. But I feel like this isn't going to be the first time we see this because it is going to be a book. The way he plays football, it's only natural. He's going to pick up injuries and he's going to be out of the team at times. I just feel like there has to be a sort of a reckoning with Phil Foden um, as to how City supporters and City fans sort of view his his position in the team. I don't know if it's, that's fair. You know, other players, I think it's fair to criticise them. But with Phil Foden, 
given the 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 history he's had in the in the academy coming through in 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 under Guardiola getting his opportunity rising to the top so quickly there just has to sometimes be okay step back things will all be okay you say that but he's on pace for his best ever season still I mean, what, numbers st- stati- statistically, yeah. I mean, his but best ever that, season. Would you say his a... performances have been because, like, it's a Jack Grealish conundrum, isn't it? Anyone can have poor goals and assists, but it doesn't mean to say they're playing badly. You know, would you say this is the best level Foden's ever been at? The first half of the season, yeah. I, I mean, I oh, think okay. he. I think the first half of the season is on par with the back half of the empty stadium season, which is what twenty twenty one. I never, I never know which, um, I never wouldn't know which year that was because it was just a a black blur in my brain. But, um, and then the World Cup comes. Um, Kyle Walker goes down with an injury in the Derby shortly before the World Cup. City changed system. Foden picks up this foot injury, and I think it's kind of clouded our view of Phil Foden this season because he's been out of form and out of the team for a couple of months now. But he's got a, and yes, I know we're just talking statistics here, but he's got a higher goal contribution to minutes ratio than both Bukayo Saka and Marcus Rashford. You know, mm. he's, when he's playing, he's setting the world alight. He's just not playing as much as he once did. You know, he's on, I think, 1,300 minutes so far this season in the, in the league. Last season, he played uh, 2,000, a little over 2,000. So it's very, very hard to judge for me at the moment. And one thing I have to, I constantly remind myself of is is the fact that Pep Guardiola is the manager, and and Pep's teams they rotate all the time, and sometimes players have spells out of the team for no reason whatsoever. You look at Americ mm-hmm. Laporte at the end of the um, in twenty twenty, you would we would have said that he was our best defender before we signed Ruben Diaz, right? You know, mm-hmm. the John Stones, Americ Laporte, two best defenders. He went down with that injury against Brighton in that season. City totally collapsed. Liverpool win the title. John Stones, Ruben Diaz start the season well together in, in 2021. And, and Laporte is a ghost. He doesn't exist anymore. And I kind of ha- always have to remind myself that different managers would play a player like Phil Fode in 38 games a season. Mm. And so... I think we have to like kind of rein in our expectations and and especially for the attacking players and and I don't know. I, I think we're just we're all we've all kind of got our heads a little bit clouded by the last month and a half because up until about two weeks ago the whole team was in a malaise mm-hmm. and we were, you know, the frustration on this podcast as well was with players, with the team, with coaching staff, with the club in general. Um but I'm I'm not really down on Phil Foden whatsoever. I, I'm not looking at this like, oh, this is the eventual drop off because he's still on pace to break all of his personal bests in, in goals and assists. And the way he's playing right now, you know, if he carries this on for the rest of the season, that's to me, that's like that that's peak Foden. I don't think we've seen him that much better. Yeah, I, I'll clarify by drop off. I meant more of a sort of a plateau. A plateau, yeah, yeah, as opposed to sort of uh, you know he's suddenly shit, which obviously he isn't. Um, you know, I, I would say with the with the goals and assist contribution, there is an argument, and perhaps whichever side you fall on is absolutely fine that you could have less goals and assists and, and still have had a, a sort of a better performance than the previous season. But I absolutely agree. You know, you only have to look back to that um, Manchester derby at home, which is, yeah. I think, should probably be the blueprint for, for sort of 
maybe maybe not what Guardiola wants, but certainly what City supporters want with Haaland, with Grealish, with Foden, the way they played football was was scintillating. Um to sort of wrap up part one then, to start to begin to wrap up part one, it wouldn't be a Foden analysis segment without the perennial question, which is, of course, his best position because there is this sort of, this like, I don't know, it's like a proverb at this point that one day Phil Foden will go on to be this sort of, as his nickname goes, Iniesta-style midfielder in the centre of the park. Being said, if you're looking back at some of the previous seasons... 2020-2021, which as you've dubbed it, the, the MCC Stadium. He did, he did so well on the left-hand side. I remember that game at the Westfalen Stadion against Borussia Dortmund and, and even, obviously, the PSG game um, in the semi-final. Absolutely tore it to shreds. We're looking at, you know, on a par with Kylian Mbappe in terms of the best wide players in Europe. Season later, it sort of again plateaued some more with the the false nine but he was so crucial he was getting sort of first time finishes in and around the boxes he, he, his touches were going down but his importance was still uh very much there to be seen and then this season he's moved over to the right hand side which you know you're just looking at that three different seasons three different positions it, it not only emphasizes the quality but sort of suggests as to why maybe there has been a plateau however being said for me as much as there is this talk about him eventually becoming a central midfielder and perhaps that will happen, I just never, ever, ever see him having the right composure to do it under Guardiola unless something drastically changes, which would be a disappointment because that wouldn't be Phil Foden. That wouldn't be how he plays. So for me, I, I, I see him on the right-hand side with Haaland in there, the way Grealish operates in the in the half spaces between the full-back and the right-sided centre-half. Um I just, I just see him on that right hand side, and and for me, I think over the last three years, that's probably when he's on his A game. That's probably where he's looked most at home. Yeah, I, I've kind of had a shift in opinion in this in the past, I don't know, six months maybe, because I'd always felt like I wanted to see Phil Foden in midfield long term. Um, I think part of that was was sort of City fan propaganda saying you, you know, the. <laughs> David Silva replacement and all that kind of nonsense, which we, we know now know is nonsense. But um, I think out on the right is the best of both worlds because you can get him into wide positions where he can take defenders on and drive at them and go into the box, make things happen. But because he's left-footed, he can step inside and take up little pockets of space. He can play little balls in behind. You know, I think specifically of the one goal that came in the... Uh, what was it, the quarter quarterfinal tie against Atletico Madrid last season, where he picked out mm. Kevin De Bruyne on that little diagonal run into the box? That's the epitome of Phil Foden on the wing, right there. Is because he is playing with his his you know his strong foot on the inside. He can take up little midfield positions and he can come inside and and you know take up those little pockets of space. But then he can be out wide and drive at players. And I don't see him. I agree with you. I don't see him ever playing in midfield for Pep. I think if Eventually, Pep is going to leave, and and uh, we'd probably all love for Foden to outlast Pep. You know, I, I think we all would love for him to finish his career at City, and I assume that he will. You know, a new manager may come in, and and not to get too granular and, and tactical here, but if you know they play a four-two-three-one and they have a natural number ten, I'd love to see Phil play as you know a natural number ten and have two you know big burly de- defensive midfielders behind him. But that's that's not how Pep is going to play, and and yeah, I think 
being out on the right for now under Pep Guardiola is is definitely like the best of both worlds for him. Yeah, yeah, you know, I could definitely see him potentially under someone like Julian Nagelsmann as being one of the best sort of attacking midfielders. But yeah. is it going to happen? Is it going to happen with the way City play under Guardiola? I, I'm almost certain at this point you're saying no. And I, and I think not to sort of squash dreams, which is something we often do on this podcast and, you know, us, us miserable Annies will will be... Uh, We'll be bringing the negativity soon enough, but I, I just don't. I, I just think maybe it's a dream that isn't going to happen for the foreseeable future, and and that's fine. That's absolutely fine. Phil Foden's touched levels that you know, I'd say ninety nine percent of City's players in there in the club's history have never touched, and he's only twenty two years old. Um, perhaps maybe something we haven't addressed on this podcast and, and it's probably not the right time to do. Is there an attitude issue? You know, we don't know him. Who knows? Maybe that could be the only thing that is stopping this fella from going on to be the best ever for Manchester City. You know, we've never had, and I think this is important to know before we move on, Adam, we've never had this. This is, this is all sort of, for most supporters, obviously you go back far enough. There were players who came through at that time, which was a very, very different academy and went on to win silverware and whatnot with the club but for a, a large chunk of the club's history the best players have been nitpicked and they've been sold for a profit and even even with this sort of new look Manchester City the players from the academy on a whole have, have not been good enough to make it through and if they have done they've not even even come close to Phil Foden's level so I guess to wrap up just enjoy it because we're privileged and it might not last forever. Who knows what happens down the line? Um, hopefully he does finish his career at City, maybe he cuts his armband and a few Premier League trophy lists or, or League One and League Two trophy lists considering <laughs> how things are going. But, um, but yeah, just enjoy it a little bit. Hello and welcome back to the City Report podcast, your home for daily Manchester City content. As I mentioned before at the top of the show, if you want to go back after this episode and listen to yesterday's show, we did a deep dive into City's 2-0 win over Newcastle and, and had a look at the title race as well, whether or not Bournemouth's defeat, late defeat at the hands of Arsenal is sort of a sign sealed and delivered title victory for the Gunners or whether or not City have more in the tank. Um, As for what's coming up over the next couple of days, tomorrow we'll be doing a listener question special. Man City, non-Man City related questions, send them in and then as we get towards the end of the week, we'll start looking ahead to Crystal Palace at the weekend which... Another fantastic segue from yours truly is a football match in this country that Adam Booker will be at. Um, you're heading over and we're all in this parish very excited for it. Yes, I am too. Um, it feels like my maiden voyage, even though it's not. It's been... Mm. When was COVID? 20... When Phil Foden was, go- was ripping it up on the left hand side. Yeah, true. I I was going twice a year for like a for a couple of years, and mm. uh, then then COVID kind of flipped the world on its head. So it feels like I haven't been back in forever. But um, no, I'm looking forward to it. It'll be great. Bringing my dad along, uh, headed to Palace, and then for the Leipzig and and Burnley game. Yeah, which there was a little bit of jitters on your end, wasn't there? Because um, for full clarity, you're you're flying back. I've got my calendar here. I think it's the 20th of March, early morning. And in previous seasons, there has been FA Cup matches that have been played on the Monday. And and you were more, more often, uh, sorry, 
unlike most other city supporters who were hoping for a for a nice a nice draw, you were looking at it thinking, dear me, I need it as as sort of a, the, the the best to fit into my schedule as possible. And thankfully, Vincent Company's Burnley visit on a Saturday night is probably about as as good as it could have got. Yeah, I was hoping for um, I was hoping for Old Trafford because I've never been there and I want to you know check it off the bucket list. I've been to home. Said Darby's, no but... city fan. Ever you just expose yep. yourself as a as a true plastic? I was hoping for Old Trafford, dear me. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, it could have been worse. You know, my when uh, my girlfriend Laura and I were there in twenty nineteen, we had tickets to that Liverpool game at home, which you know some now say is the greatest game of football ever played on English soil. And that game actually got moved forty eight hours backwards. It was supposed to be on New Year's mm. Day, some may remember. And they moved it to, I think, the Monday night, uh, which was the third. Yeah, And, you know, had I not had my flight out on the fifth or whatever, I would have missed the greatest game ever played on English soil because the game I flew out there for was moved by 48 hours. So um, I was dumb and didn't account for that this time. So had, had City got a, a Monday night draw, I would have had to do some rearranging of flights. But um, no, I'm... Uh, I'm just glad it's not, you know, Grimsby at home. I would have loved Grimsby away. I'll yeah, say that. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. Um, as would the eight other City fans who would have got tickets for that <laughs> for that allocation. Um, no, it's it's interesting. Funnily enough, I actually I missed that game. I think I've said it before, but that Liverpool game, I, I was so poorly, so poorly, and I'm thinking, oh my god, City eight points behind against Liverpool, can't be arsed with it, can't be arsed with them. I'll just tuck myself up on the sofa, and it, I still have I still have absolute nightmares about missing that game. The, 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 the noise from the television was was sort of uh, palpable enough, let alone what it would have been like in person. But um, obviously, you coming over? It's the first time that you and I, having started this venture, what little under eighteen months or so ago, at least that put the put the the wheels in motion. We celebrated our our one-year anniversary uh, not too long ago, but it's the first time we'll meet in yes. Selhurst, Selhurst Park. What a, what a romantic place. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll be waiting uh, on the Homesdale Road with a, a nice <laughs> you know balloon and bottle of champagne for you. Yeah, I thought you were going to say with a nice balaclava, which is usually the... Uh, <laughs> yeah, the, I might uh, need that the, down the Homesdale Road. Yeah, the sartorial choices of the Crystal Palace Orchards. Um Anything else to add then before before you, we get out of here? This is your last episode, probably for a couple of weeks. Uh, I, I'm taking full control of the of the ship, and God knows how that's going to turn out. But I mean, you, the daily coverage, uh, full disclosure, listeners, will will continue as normal. It just be Adam living it up in Manchester. A, any specific plans? Any any sort of uh, away from the city matches that you're looking forward to sort of digging into? Um. I don't know what plans I have. I just want I will I will mention some plans, but I will just say it it does have me staring my my own mortality on my show in in the face because things just just go on without me. You know, I can <laughs> yeah. I can be on a couple of 15-hour flights and disappear for a couple of weeks and the show goes on. So I don't know how I feel about that, but um what plans do I have? I've got my ritual of, you know, going to the football museum. Um, I've had a, as you well know, um, I've had a weird time in Manchester. I, I haven't like, <laughs> I haven't we re- all? I've never, I've never <laughs> been a tourist or anything. You know, I just like would go to Morrison's. I would go to get a <laughs> coffee in the morning. 
I would do some work. I would, you know, sit sit outside by the football museum, and then I would go home at the end of the night to the family that I stay with, and I would get up in the morning and do it again. So um, I probably am not fun enough to have any plans, but I will have my dad there, and we'll we'll do some fun things. I, you know what we're doing, actually? We're going to go climbing. Oh, nice. Because there is now, uh, I think, Manchester's first ever bouldering gym at Trafford Center. Um, so we're going to go out and go climbing there. Maybe I'll look for a disc golf course or two because they do exist. I have found them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, Trafford famously as the red half of, of, well, not even the red half of Manchester, but absolutely isn't in Manchester. So you'll, you'll have a, ne- yes. you'll have a nice day out in it's uh, Trafford's uh, first climbing gym. Yeah. Yeah. We don't, we don't accept that sort of behavior. Um, listeners along with questions any recommendations for adam send them in um yeah. maybe i don't know if anything's going to top a day out at morrison's but uh <laughs> I'm, I'm all ears a, d- a day out at tesco because tesco is the superior of the big four supermarkets is by far the superior one anyway uh before they start turning off and never coming back we will call it a day there adam i will speak to you beforehand but the listeners won't so i will say best wishes for this flight travel safe and we will as vera lynn once said meet again Thank you, sir. Until next time, it's been a pleasure as always. We'll see you later. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end of season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running. And just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.